so excited that you are here with us this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to say welcome on behalf of my wife, my, or myself, my wife, and the rest of the team here. We are pumped that you're here, and if you're watching online with us, we're super excited that you're here today. Church in person, could you do me a favor and help me welcome our online family? Come on, come on. Super excited. Um, if you are in person with us and if it's your first time, we'd love to connect with you. Be sure to stop by the New Here Lounge on your way out. And I do want to tell you, uh, next week we got a lot of things going on, but I am going to give you a uh, an update. I'm going to give you our official move-in date back in the auditorium because they are finishing up the electrical work for the auditorium. So I'm pumped for next weekend. Come on. Yeah, so we'll get you all that information next week. And uh, excited because we are in week three of our relationships series Relationships are vitally important for you and I to learn about because they make up some of the biggest benefit and some of the biggest burdens that we've experienced in our lives. And so week one of this series, we talked about friendship. And then last week, we talked about what it looks like to be a good neighbor and how neighboring really isn't just the people who live around you, but it's how we interact with the people we come into contact with. And this week, I want to talk to you about singleness and dating, and singleness and dating. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, Pastor, that's not my season anymore, right? I am out of that. I am married. But here's what I know. Uh, all of us know somebody who's either single or dating, right? Maybe they are, they're not you know, at a place yet where they've gotten married. Maybe they've been divorced and they're single. There's all sorts of different reasons. Wherever you're at, though, I believe that God has a word to speak to you today and that you and I can glean some stuff from his word and our lives can be changed forever. So uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Um, but I want to talk about singleness and dating today for a, a lot of reasons. But one of those is, you know, there was no like class in high school on how to do this thing, right? When you were going to school, they didn't tell you anything about how to do relationships. I mean, like I got out of school and was like, I don't know how to do nothing. Like I don't know how to do a budget. I don't know how to do relationships, right? And so as we look at God's word, I believe there's going to be some stuff that's really applicable to all of us in every season of our lives. Because first and foremost, God desires to be number one in all of our lives. Like no matter who you are, whether you're single, you're dating, you're happily married or unhappily married, God desires to be number one in your life. If you look at the Old Testament, even the, the first commandment, there should be no other gods before me. God wants to be supreme. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Turn to somebody and say all. Turn to that person you neglected and say all. Say, sorry, you were my second choice, right? <laughs> no, all. All is really important. I wonder how many of us love God with half of our heart, half of our soul, half of our mind. I think this verse is really important, especially for those who are single because singleness is not one of those wasted seasons. If we're going to really do singleness God's way, I believe that we use singleness as the season to solidify our identity in Christ. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Use singleness as the season to solidify your identity with Christ. Before I met Tori, um, I, I met Tori after I gave my life to Jesus, but before Jesus, 
I had uh, several dating relationships, and, like, they were unhealthy. Come on, how many of y'all, you know, like, you had some unhealthy relationships growing up. If you can't determine whether or not your relationship was toxic, it could be that you were the toxic one in that relationship, right? Like, but we all had relationships that didn't go well. So I gave my life to Jesus on August 1st of 2011, and then I realized, like, man, I, don't, I got too many issues to date. Right, like I, I still got some stuff that I need to work on. And one of the best pieces of advice I got in that season was to make sure that I focused on my identity in Christ before I tried to have a relationship with anybody. Because before you get into a relationship, you need to make sure that you go ahead and defeat that Jerry Maguire myth that somebody can complete you. No one else will complete you but God. Only God has the ability to complete you and I. And marriage works best when two people are coming together, complete in Christ, and then they become one. Not two incomplete people. If I'm incomplete by the time you, you get into a relationship or you start dating, you get married, you're always going to be looking to that other person to fulfill every need you have. And there are needs that you have that your spouse can't fulfill, that only God can. So singleness is this season for us where we focus on our identity in Christ. Now, for some of you, you encounter people who are single. I'm just going to give you like a little piece of advice. There's one thing you've got to quit asking people. Some people ask questions. They're dumb questions. You know what a dumb question is? When are you going to find a husband? Dumb question. When are you going to start dating? When are you going to get back out there? Here's why. You may expedite and put a timeline on somebody that God hasn't put on them. Singleness is not a burden, and the question isn't to be single or not to be single. The goal is, how close can I get to Jesus? we got to quit asking. And people ask that, and then they ask, when are you going to have a baby? There's all sorts of questions that people ask. It's like, hey, let's keep our own timeline. we I got enough problems with my own timeline. I don't need you jumping down mine. Use singleness as the season where you're solidifying your identity with Christ to make sure you and him are, are number like he's your number one. This isn't punishment. Some people view singleness as a burden. No, it's a blessing. It's a preparation season. Every single one of our relationships function in two forms, vertically and horizontally. So the vertical relationships that we have are our relationships with God. Horizontal relationships are the relationships that we have with people. Vertical is, is me, you know, looking to God. We have that relationship. So I've got a little illustration to kind of show you why uh, your relationship with God needs to be number one. It's most important in this whole thing. So I've got this cup here, and a cup only fills vertically. If you've ever tried to fill a cup horizontally, you know it's messy. That doesn't work. That's called a spill. But you have this cup vertically, and God pours out. So when I'm focusing on my vertical relationship, I'm able to receive. And once I receive, I can then move to horizontal relationships where I pour out. How many of you know when, when you have relationships with people, sometimes it feels like you do nothing but pour out and pour out and pour out and pour out? If you and I always try and fill our cup with vertical relationships, you will never get full. Because the only way we can fully receive is if we first are horizontal or vertical. If we focus on our vertical relationship, then God can fill us up so that we're in the place where we can pour out into other people. 
And I believe the best way to do friendships and relationships with people is to allow your cup to become so full that you don't have to pour out, but that people just catch the excess of what God is doing in your own life. That your cup is overflowing with goodness and mercy. That's a good Psalm 23 quote right there, right? Like your cup is overflowing. But if you and I always focus on our sideways relationships and we don't focus on our vertical one, then our relationships will always be sideways. So we've got to focus on that vertical relationship first and foremost. Singleness is the season where we solidify our identity in Christ. And there are passages of Scripture, right? If you go to Genesis, one of the first things that God says isn't good is for man to be alone. But that passage of Scripture is on isolation. And I just want to encourage you, just because you're single doesn't mean you're isolated. You have a community, you have a church, you have people who love you and believe in you. I had a mentor one time, I was telling him, um, that like, hey, you know, it, it's lonely at the top, like as a pastor sometimes. Like, it can be lonely, people don't understand the struggle or whatever. And he said, yeah, but you'll be as lonely as you choose to be. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, you ever had someone give you advice and you're like, I'm not tracking just yet. So he said, look, you have relationships, you're just not utilizing them. So there's people around you that love you and they care for you and they want what's best for you. But if you don't utilize those relationships, you'll still be lonely. Just because you're single doesn't mean you're isolated and lonely. You have networks of people who love you and support you. Singleness is not a burden. It actually is a blessing. And in our society, we've got to stop treating singleness like it's a burden. Before I met Tori, I needed to be single. If I would have jumped headfirst into that relationship, it had been messier than it already was, right? Tori was perfect, but when I showed up, poofed. I needed to focus on my relationship with Jesus to make sure that I dealt with my identity because no one completes us other than the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 14 says this, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart. Wait for the Lord. You know it's important if he says it twice, right? Wait. Just wait for the Lord. No one other than God can complete you. And we have to discover, um, I think that you need to discover the person you were made to be before you go looking for the person you're supposed to be with. Use singleness as that season. A waiting season is not a wasted season if you're working while you wait. Prepare yourself to be that husband. I love what Proverbs 18 says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing doesn't say he who finds a girlfriend, and it doesn't say that that man made her a wife. It says he who finds a wife, meaning he showed up, she was ready. That's what preparation looks like. Preparation for us in the season of singleness means that if you're a man, you focus on becoming the husband that God created you to be before you ever step into the role of being a husband. I didn't wait to step, I didn't wait to be called pastor before I started pastoring and serving people. You can carry the responsibility without the title. That's what we need to do in relationships. Wives, you, you, or ladies, you focus on becoming a wife and the wife God intended you to be. And then when your husband comes along, he's going to find a wife and you know he found a good thing. Can I get a name? So now we ask this question like, so when do I date? Like what does dating look like if we're single and and I'm gonna, here's, here's the thing. I'm going to talk about singleness in a second, and, uh, or I'm going to talk about dating. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm all over the place this morning. I told 9 a.m. I, 
got some sinus stuff going on, so uh, just bear with me. But when we're talking about dating, um, for some of us, we may be wondering, like, when's the right time to date? And here's the thing about Scripture. Scripture's not super clear when it comes to dating. In fact, we don't see the concept of dating in Scripture. We see this idea of, of courtship. And so sometimes when we talk about uh, biblical principles, it's very cut and dry. We open God's Word. We can say, this is what it says. That's what we do. There's not, it's not really up to interpretation. Dating is up to interpretation. Dating is one of those things where you have to uh, talk with the Spirit and make sure that you're doing what God is instructing you to do. So I'm going to give you some advice uh, about dating, about relationships that, that, that are advice, I think, supported by some biblical principles to kind of help you in this season. Um, but it's going to be contradictory to the way the world works. I think we would probably recognize that the way the world does dating currently isn't working since marriages are ending at about a 50% rate. So, so if we want to experience some different results, we got to do something different, right? The definition of his insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. So I'm going to give you some advice. And one of the best part about advice is you just get to do with it what you do with it. So here's the first thing. Uh, if you aren't ready to get married, you aren't ready to date. If you aren't ready to get married... You aren't ready today. Ecclesiastes says there's a season for everything, but it doesn't mean that your season's right now. See, when we look at Ephesians chapter 5, it gives us this beautiful picture of what marriage looks like. And marriage is filled with mutual submission to one another out of reverence to God. Wives submitting to their husbands as spiritual leaders of their households. And husbands loving their spouse to the point of death, just like Christ loved the church and died for her. What we see in marriage is this idea of two servants mutually submitted to one another out of their love for God. You know that marriage only works with two servants, right? And I'm selfish by nature. I'm an individual who is, is a little bit selfish, sometimes a little self-centered. It's, I kind of like things to go my way. I said kinda, right? Tori and I have been married seven years and here's what I know. The better I serve, the better our relationship is. And the reason why we say, hey, if you're not ready to get married, you're not ready to date, is because dating either leads to commitment or compromise. Dating either leads to commitment or compromise. As you and I are dating, it's either going to end with commitment, which is where we come together as one and we stand before one another. And it's not this idea where, where right now we, we talk about commitment and we think of this little like casual, right? Like we start the new year. I'm committed to losing weight this year. And come on, how many of y'all like you committed to losing weight and uh, you wanted to lose 30 pounds and you got 35 to go, right? Come on. Like, so that, so, but sometimes that's how we think about marriage. It's one of those commitments, and we'll do it until we don't feel like doing it. That's not what God's design for marriage is. So dating leads to commitment or compromise. It leads to us getting to the altar and saying, I love you in sickness and in health till death do us part. Like, I am in it. I am in the good times. I'm in the bad times. I am when, when, when we're at our highest, I'm there. When we're at our lowest, I'm there. When you hurt me, I'm here. When you wrong me, I'm here. 
when we're doing well, I'm still here. No matter what takes place, I'm with you because we made a covenantal agreement before God that we were going to do this. And the problem is I see so many people rushing into marriage to get married so fast. And you're taking two immature people that don't want to be servants to one another and they're expecting that marriage is going to fix all of their issues. And it either leads you to a place of commitment or compromise. And for others of us, compromise, when I said that it leads to commitment or compromise, you thought about a relationship that you had in the past where there was a standard, where there were morals, where there was responsibility, and you made some mistakes. Dating with no intention of marriage is like going to the grocery store hungry without any money. You're either going to take something that's not yours or leave disappointed. We've got to be intentional. And I know this is not common. This is not what people talk about all the time. But here's what we believe. Normal's not working. The area of relationships isn't working the way we're doing it. And, and I know we've got, you know, some people, sixth graders with boyfriends, like, my, here's my question. Where's it heading? Yeah. Commitment or compromise? Parents, you know, you made some mistakes when you were in high school and Maybe even in college, maybe even in middle school, right? Lead your kids. Help them understand the importance of relationships in the area of dating. So in Scripture, we see this idea of courtship. And the purpose of courtship is this opportunity to pursue a woman for the purpose of marriage. The purpose of that pursuit is marriage. And that's what we believe dating should be as well. So I'm going to give you two pieces of advice, and then I'm going to land the plane this morning. Uh, here's the first one. Maintain responsibility for your purity. If you are dating and you want to date in a way that honors God, okay, the first thing that we need to do is we need to maintain responsibility for purity. Far too often we're in a relationship and we're entrusting our purity into the hands of another person but the transfer of responsibility happens when you get married. When the two become one, that's when you guys together are, are coming together. And, and before that, I would just say, ladies, make sure you maintain responsibility for your own purity. Guys are weird. <laughs> Can we be honest for a second? Not only are they weird, but, but ladies like... You are so beautifully handcrafted in the image of God. God knit you together. He designed you beautifully and intentionally. And you have to be careful about letting go of the responsibility of something that's so beautiful and pure. Maintain responsibility for your purity. Paul says this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every person... Uh, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against their own body. The reason why sexual sin is such a, a big uh, danger for all of us is because sexual sin not just harms our soul, but it harms our body as well. And so I've got this piece of paper to give you an illustration, and this illustration, um, this piece of paper represents your heart. And what happens is in our relationships and in our world today, um, we kind of treat 
sex as if it's just something that's physical. We believe that sex is not something filthy or gross. Sex is beautiful. It's a gift from God meant to be enjoyed within the context of marriage between husband and wife. And when I say enjoyed, I mean enjoyed. Come on, somebody. It's supposed to be enjoyed. But before marriage, it's not supposed to be enjoyed. In fact, you may enjoy it for a moment, but we know it's not just physical, because if it was just physical, there wouldn't be a walk of shame. There wouldn't be heartache. There wouldn't be emotional ties that you have with people that you've been trying to get over for years, but somehow you just can't get over it. And you lie to yourself to say it's just physical, but still you're thinking about them today. Why? Well, Paul says because you're not just sinning and it's affecting your soul, it's also affecting your body. And so every time you have sex outside of marriage, I want to show you what happens to your heart. You actually give a piece of your heart to another person, a piece of your, yourself. And so you give one piece away, that was the first time, and then there was that other relationship you know, that you had in high school, and then maybe there was that you know, one-night stand, and you swiped on an app one time, and there was that party, and you over and over, you just began through the course of the years, giving away parts of yourself in the area of sex. And then what happens is you get to marriage and you get to your spouse and, and you go, hey, I'll give you everything. And you're not lying in that moment. But here's what you're doing. You're just giving them what's left. Because the truth is, over the years, you gave away piece after piece after piece of yourself. And then when you look to the side, you realize it's broken into pieces. And here's the beautiful part about the gospel. The beautiful part is even if you've given away pieces of yourself, God can redeem and restore those parts of your heart and your life. God has the ability to take what was broken and torn and put them back together. But I would venture to guess for most of us in this room, the heartache that we're experiencing comes from the pieces of ourselves that we gave away and the things that we took from other people that weren't ours. So when we get to marriage, when we get to the place where we're giving ourselves to another person, I don't want to give just a piece of myself to them. I want to give everything. And it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that, that it, it, it's simple. But the transfer of responsibility of my purity happens when I get married, not before. And then when we get married, come on, we get to have a good time <laughs> in Jesus' name. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what are our bodies designed for? To give glory and honor to God in every single area. To take our lives and say, hey, I am a living sacrifice. God, whatever I have is yours. He says, don't conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you're in a relationship 
and you're dating and you're wondering, how do I maintain uh, purity in the relationship? I would say one of the healthiest things you can do is establish guardrails. If you're not familiar with a guardrail, a guardrail is a term we actually use around here all the time. Um, But a guardrail, if you're driving down the road, uh, typically when there's a a cliff or something that you could go over, they put these guardrails up. And the goal of the guardrail is in the event you make a mistake or you start drifting to a place of danger, a guardrail is the first thing you hit that keeps you from going over the edge. And so in the relationships, like we have guardrails that we recommend for uh, like our staff that are dating and, and things like that. Like, hey, watch how long you're alone in a car together. And it's just because when you're sitting in a parking lot and I'm telling you, the longer you date, the more that urge to merge gets. You know what I'm saying? So you just got to be intentional. You got to be careful. Watch for guardrails. Guardrails are super important. It reminds me of a story. There was a guy who had this precious cargo that he wanted to transport uh, from one town to another. But the problem was the road was really, it was full of mountains and these really sharp curves. So he was interviewing some guys to do it. And as he was interviewing them, the first guy said, hey, look, I'm the fastest transporter around. He said, I've, I've got this ability to, to whip around curves like nobody you've ever seen. He said, I've even mastered the skill of like taking the turns so fast that the, the cargo can kind of roll over the side of the cliff, but don't worry, we'll make it. The second guy says, hey, I'm not as fast as that first guy. He really is the fastest, but I've pretty much got the same skill set. I can, I can take it. I can get really close to those turns, but I don't go over the edge and, you know, I'll make it there in, in a really efficient time. And the third guy goes, hey, look, if you want fast, you pick those guys because I'm not the fastest. He said, I believe that what you have, what you've communicated is that it's valuable. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your cargo and I'm not going to see how close to the edge I can get. I'm going to stay as close to the mountain as I can. And I don't know how long the journey is going to take, but when I get there, I get there. But what I do know is what I left with, I'll make it there with. So who does he hire? He hires the third guy. Because when you understand the cargo that you have and the value that it has, You don't see how close to the edge you can get. You see how close to the mountain you can stay. You see how close to Jesus. I'm not trying to see how close I can get to the line of sin before I cross it. I'm trying to see how close to God I can stay so that when I get to the end of my race, I don't lose something that was so valuable. Here's the, the last thing. is Let a godly couple mentor you. In the area of dating, I think one of the best things that you can do is let a godly couple step into your life and begin to mentor you. Tori and I have the opportunity to do this uh, for people all the time. And one of the things that I love is it gives us the ability to share some things that we would maybe do different, to share some of the struggles and to share the life lessons that we've learned. We've been married for, for seven years now, but you know, when we started dating, we didn't have anybody that would speak into our life. And whether you're a young couple that's dating or you're later on in life and you're dating again, you need a godly couple to mentor you and to speak into your life. When Tori and I started dating, we really didn't know uh, how to do this. But before we ever started dating, we were friends. I think if you can't get the friendship thing right, then you don't need to even think about marriage. 
And you may be wondering, like, well, if I'm not dating without the intention of marriage, like, you can go have dinner with somebody and, and not throw a label on it. So Tori and I were talking. We started our relationship. I met her. She met me. It, I'll give you, this was my Christian pickup line, right? Tori, Tori's brother was leading worship for me at an event. And uh, I was getting up to teach that night. And I had an iPad, but it was like the iPad one. And my iPad deleted my notes right as I got up to teach. And uh, I hadn't been teaching that long. Y'all y'all have a little more polished version. Um, I had only been teaching, for, I'd been saved for less than a year at the time. And I lost all my notes. So what I did is I Googled Psalm 23 devotional and I pulled up and I just taught somebody else's like little three-point devotional that day. We got done and she was like, that was amazing. And I was like, no, nah, it wasn't. There was... <laughs> You can find that on Google, all right? Like, I just took somebody else's notes. I just, I just did it. And then she was telling me that she was doing this mission work at the time, and I said, oh, I'd love to take you out to lunch sometime and hear about what God is doing in your life through missions. Come on. I'm, that, that was me asking her out to lunch. She, was, she thought, oh, he's just friendly. No. <laughs> so... So I, we go to lunch, and I remember we sat down at that table. And this is why it's really important for you to be complete before you ever walk into this thing. Because when we sat down at that table, I shared with her the dream that God had put in my heart. And I said, I want you to know I'm going to plant a church in Mount Pleasant. And we started talking about what that would look like. She told me that she was going to be a missionary overseas. And I left the conversation that day going, well, that ain't going to work. <laughs> Slowly, God began to shift her heart. She left for a Bible college. We started building our relationship through Skype. There wasn't anything physical. It was just, we got on calls. Hey, what, what's God doing in your life? Here's what God's doing in my life. And we just started developing a friendship. She came home. We knew by the time she got home, we were on track to get married. So we began dating. We dated for, oh, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to throw it out there. I think we started dating in March, and we got engaged in July. Come on. And then we got married in January. I got them all right. Whew. But through that process, at that time, we didn't have anybody who was really mentoring us or speaking into our life. And I wish we did. We did a lot of things really well. But look at what Proverbs 19.20 says. Get all the advice and instruction you can so that you will be wise for the rest of your life. I think a little bit of wisdom right now can save you a whole lot of heartache down the road. So that's why we invite people to mentor us. That's why we invite people to speak into our life. That's why when we're feeling temptation, we've got people to call on and we allow people to walk us through a journey so that we receive the wisdom that God's entrusted them with. And then we get to live that wisdom out for the rest of our life and enjoy it. So if you're here today and you're single, know that this is not a wasted season. God is preparing you. If you're here and you're dating, maintain responsibility for your purity and let some godly couples speak into your life. But most importantly, every single one of us 
need to have the foundational thing, which is a relationship with Jesus. Because nothing else in our life works if we don't first get this horizontal or vertical, I can't remember directions today, the vertical relationship right. If you get the vertical thing right, the horizontal stuff works out. So today, maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to take that next step and and say, hey, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my life. Maybe you've been trusting in your own abilities for a long time, but today you want to say, hey, today I give it all to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed in the room for a moment, if you're here today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. Come on. I see this. Here's what we're going to do. Nobody prays alone. We all pray together. Will you repeat this after me, church? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.